0: Hi, welcome to Pro Insiders, a podcast from ASI's Counselor Magazine. Here we cover the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry, from hard-hitting topics like COVID-19 to fun trends and new opportunities. I'm CJ Mitica, Editor-in-Chief of Counselor and Advantages Magazines, and today we're examining ASI's 2020 Global Ad impression Study. Nate Kuzma, ASI's Executive Director of Market Research and Corporate Marketing, is joining us to discuss the findings and how you can apply them to your business plus we'll talk about our new exclusive mask data we've got plenty to discuss so let's get started so nate the the most important question i have right off the bat is how has your last name been mispronounced over the years
1: you know it's uh it depends it's not even mispronouncing it depends on what nationality you are. if you're hungarian it's pronounced kuchma um and if i ever go to a you know, festival, that's, you know, where I run into a bunch of, you know, Hungarians and I say Kuzma. They're like, no, that's wrong. That's not the way you pronounce it. Um, otherwise, people generally, it, it's gotten better as time has progressed. How's that? It used to be a lot worse. People would just look at it with a blank stare. Now it's actually, fortunately, gotten a little bit better. K- Kuchma, is it? I, I think, you have you heard that one? I've heard Kutchma. I've heard uh, Kuzma uh kuzma kuchma it's like it it has uh you know there's there's many many different iterations of it
0: uh i'm not immune to that um know, it's mitica but uh you know it's definitely been pronounced Mitika is the normal one mitica sometimes mm-hmm. so you know but last last names are fun as, as you can tell <laughs> so obviously we're here to talk about the um ad impression study this is a major study that we do at. Every year, and there's a lot of uh, in- interesting findings, and we're g- we're going to go through the we're going to go through some of the most interesting data, including new exclusive mask of you know mask reporting that we did in terms of the branding impact of masks, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to touch on some of the other interesting findings as well. And since we're doing this on Facebook Live, you know we we love we love our, our viewers and listeners to to chime in whether with you know comments or if you got questions for Nate, you know, whether it's regarding the, the ad impression study or other, other questions you have about, about promo and research and things we could research or you know, questions you may have. Uh, you know, feel, feel, free, feel free to, to ask them. We'll, we'll see what we can do to answer them throughout. Uh, and I just want to also remind that the, uh, the ad impression study, the full ad impression study, is available on our website asicentral.com. Um and you can down, you can download a free a free copy. You just have to, to sign up and enter your, your name and company and some other, some other small information. Uh, and you can get you can get the full copy of the report. We're gonna be showing you some slides today that are just touch on again some of the more interesting things that we want to discuss, but the, the full report has a lot more data and a lot more to, to dig into. So all that being out of the way, uh, Nate, just just to start off, what what is the ad impression study? What you know. How often do we do it and what are, we look, what are we looking to measure and find out
1: with it? Yeah, sure. So the ad impression study has been going on for well over a decade now. I mean, I joined ASI in about 2014 and we were already in like version five of it. Right. So what it does and it's sort of its genesis was it wanted to show the value of promotional products using what are often determined to be like very traditional forms of advertising metrics. Right. So before the days when you could click on Google and you could do on Google ads, and you can see all the different impressions and everything. There's a way that you measure all other forms of advertising, whether that's print media or outdoor advertising or television advertising. And that's called cost per impression. Right. So what you tra- what we were doing with this study and what we've, you know, continue to do throughout the study up to this and including this latest iteration is we put everything on an even playing field. And we want to show everybody what the cost per impression and is for a traditional promotional product and how many impressions an advertiser can get from using promotional products in their day-to-day activities so that's really what that is showing and um you know we we continue to expand the study every year it used to be um i want to call it as you know archaic as we are sending people out onto the streets of major american and foreign cities and stopping them on the road and saying, "Hey, let's talk about promotional products." We don't do that anymore.
0: I remember that because when I started, I was I was on, like first week started on like a train to New York to to stop and ask people. And you know, you know me, Mister Mister People Person, it's a lot of fun. Talk, you know, confronting strangers on the street and asking them to take a survey.
1: Sure, New York, that's very friendly. So, um, we were actually doing that up until when I joined. And When I joined, I kind of said we're not doing this anymore. Um, so, we what we've done, we actually still will occasionally do that. We will hire people within cities to do that because uh, there are companies and individuals that specialize in that. If you if you know where to look, um, but we also what we do now is we do a lot of it online using Google surveys, and what that enables us to do is get a much greater reach of. Um, Overall, just populations, whereas we used to focus only on the cities, now we can focus on everybody. So if we're talking about city data or state data, we're not just talking about people in the major metropolitan areas, it goes throughout. We get a lot more people. Um, You know, every year we interview, when we do the study, anywhere from an additional 50,000 to an additional 200,000 people. And what this does is it enables us to really expand the size of the data set we're using to just increase the amount of um, information we can share with the industry.
0: So... Obviously, you know this year has been a remarkable year for a, a lot a lot of you know bad reasons um, so for for people um who are either, can be either new to the study or people in the in the promotional products industry who have you know who who look to this stu- study every year and whatever comes out and look for, and look for valuable data is there is there anything that this study um, can offer this year um, that know maybe it's different or even more necessary than in in previous years
1: yeah so you know it's interesting you said it's interesting because for um every year we've ever done the study we've expanded some of the product categories but they've always been very very broad right it's always been writing instruments as a as a product category or headwear or outerwear right this was the first year where we did we did masks right and most of this study was fielded in um, late for Q4 into Q1 of last year, right? So that was when everything going back, you know, all the way back to the halcyon days of Q1 when everything was normal. Yeah. Now we're in Q3 you know, and everything's different, right? So we actually did a supplement to the study in August where we actually asked people around America about masks. What were their overall opinions about them? And, you know, how many people... And we asked the general questions that we do to come up with the data that we have. What are their opinions about them? How would they affect their opinions of the advertiser that gave them to them? You know, what are the total number of impressions that can be expected by wearing a promotional mask? And by doing that and by trying to make the data as current and relevant as possible, we hope to expand to each of the study to not only where it has been, which is on traditional promo products. And we have a lot of different categories, but also looking at the, you know, sort of the new reality about, you know, looking at face masks as a major uh promotional activity, one that has really helped sustain this industry over the last couple of months when other, when other promotional product sales really dried up.
0: So we're going to get into some of that mass data in a, in a second and examine some different ways. But just, you know, Nate, your overall in, impressions after view, after seeing the results and the findings regarding mass, um, like what what's your impression of them as, in terms of their effectiveness as a, as a branded promotional product?
1: Oh, I think they have a huge, I think there's a huge potential here. I mean, they're not going away anytime soon, as, but I mean, obviously, depending on where you live, there might be a difference, but up here in the mid-Atlantic and Northeast, they're not going away for a while. And, you know, it's sort of, they've moved beyond the fact where, you know, I have a college, I have a, one of my kids is in college, and anytime they go out, she, you know, she works in a mall, she has to wear a mask, and they've almost become now like, it's almost like a fashion accessory right you're not just going to want to put on a standard black mask you're not going to want to put on a surgical mask like was um so prevalent now it's you want something that's going to keep you safe but you also want it to be a little bit fashion forward and i think that's an area where um you know there, there's not as early on there was a lot of um reticence to actually even wanting to wear them i think they're becoming much more accepted now and you know, you want to wear something like with all promotional products, if you're going to wear it or you're going to use it, you want it to look good. You want it to be functional, provide utility, and you want it to look good. And I think that there's a lot of potential there within our industry to do so.
0: So I would second that. Um, and I'm going to speak from experience because just in the past two weeks, my my daughters had started their 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 fall activities. Uh, you know, They started they started school, they started soccer and they started uh, they started Hebrew school. All three of those organizations, those you know those 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 places gave them gave them branded mass their their school gave them brand branded mass the, the the soccer club gave gave out a, a a drawstring bag with jerseys and a branded mask mm-hmm. and the 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 synagogue, the hebrew school is selling selling branded mass. so now you're I, you're starting to see it where any any sort of touch point with a consumer or with a member. Um, and, and especially when there's opportunity to give something away, mm-hmm. ma- random masks are becoming sort of an essential part of, of, of those, those giveaway packages.
1: Sure, and it's something that people are going to use, right? Like it's not something it's not something that's gonna go sit in a drawer. People are going to use it. And you know, don't think about impressions as only something that that person's seeing, right? Think about the impressions that their family's seeing, that their friends are seeing, that when they're out in public, that people are noticing. You know, I've noticed when people are walking around wearing you know, masks that they might have received from their company, like Merrill Lynch and such, which I've seen, you know, like different types of logos and such. So I think that if if it looks good and it's functional and and it's high quality, people will continue to use them and they're going to be using them for a while. So it's something that, um, you know, it's certainly something that clients should invest in and that they should be being pushed to in addition to other types of promotional products, which also are going to be, Finding, you know, a renewed different type of niche in this um, environment where everything is going to be um, very sanitized, I guess you could say. And as business starts to come back, there's going to be new opportunities. I think that that, you know, using the data that we have in the ad impression study and using the graphics that we've created this year really should help our members uh, do so. So so on that note,
0: let's let's pull up some of these. Data points, uh, specifically for the mass And uh, Kyle, our video guru, is uh is going to be controlling this. So I'm going to give him some directions as we go. Um, and we just we just talked about usage. And so mm-hmm. this this first point, I think, you know, st- stands out. So this is across to to eighty percent of consumers wear masks all or most of the time when in public. And so Nate, this is for the entire Uni- United States. This data, yeah, point.
1: it's a cross sampling of everybody in the U.S. So we, you know, for this we surveyed. I think it was. Um, several hundred people and we asked you know what do you, we asked about their behaviors of them and yeah eighty percent say that they wear masks all and most of the time when in public
0: yeah it, it, I think it's interesting based on where you're located you know uh, you know we live in the Philadelphia area um, you know whenever I go out and into a into definitely when I'm ever going to a store even mm-hmm. a restaurant um, it's almost 100% of people are are, are wearing wearing masks so oh, I, sure. I think it's very very prevalent um, it's very prevalent in our area it may not be as prevalent as other areas of the country. That's that's a point of of, of Controversy, but I, I, I think the 80% average I think to me at least demonstrates that just on the on average on the vast whole Pretty much mass are, are nearly everywhere.
1: You know, I can't remember the last time it was that I went out somewhere without one I mean, It doesn't mean that if I'm walking if I'm riding my bike along the Delaware River that I'm not wearing that I'm wearing a mask I'm not right, but I have one in my pocket, so if I stop and I go into a store or something along one of the little towns, I'm going to have it on me. So yeah, no, I wear I, again, it. Again, it's it's going to seem weird the next time you walk into a store, or a church, or a school, or your workplace without one. I think it's going to seem really, really unusual to me because right now it seems just so foreign.
0: I thought- I've, I've I've had dreams slash nightmares where it's like I'm back in the office and nobody's wearing a mask. Like those those are the COVID dreams that we're having in the, the, this year. Yeah, right. All right, Kyle, can you bring back up the, the the presentation so I want to go over the next point. So this is interesting. It's 61% of women would be more likely to do business with the advertiser who gave them a promo mask, and I think that's actually that's higher than than men because I think it was um, 53% of men compared mm-hmm. to 61% of women. And we saw that also, I think, with uh, women who are more likely to have a more favorable opinion of the advertiser. Does that surprise you at all, that it's it's a little little bit more women than men who are responding favorably to these masks?
1: No, that's actually a trend that I think we see with a lot of promotional products, is that women are going to be, that women who receive a a promotional product that they're using, and I think that's an important distinction to make. They have to want it. It has to be something that is, um, has a utility to them. They're going, they they tend to, look a little bit more favorably on the advertisers than do their male counterparts. So um, does it surprise me? No, Um, very most things in this study actually uh, do surprise me because I don't always know what's going to come out. That's one of the things though that is fairly consistent is that women have a very favorable view of the companies that give the promotional products uh, to them and they will. And and as this slide particularly indicates, they're definitely more likely to do business. I mean, 61% increase in overall added uh, likelihood to do business with, a company is huge, no matter um, what metric you're looking at. So it's a gigantic. That's a gigantic improvement. All
0: right, All right Kyle. Let's go to the, the next slide here. So this says 52% of consumers would keep a logoed mask for more than three months. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I would say that some haven't had a mask for three months. Maybe some some have had, but in the in the grand scheme of how long pro, promo Items are typically kept. What what does this say to you? Need
1: what it says to me that the potential is very strong. Um, in that it, they're not being treated as throwaway items, right? Yeah. So, so, listen. A lot of promotional items have an average lifespan of uh, 10, 12 months or greater. And if you think about like some of them, which are considered, which I would consider be a little bit more durable, like um, outerwear, right, or drinkware. I have some drinkware. I have some I have some paint glasses that I've had no life for, like 16 years. Um, but a mask is a new item and so you know you're asking this not only with current behaviors but also anticipated behaviors and the way we phrase that is if you receive the logo mask that you like from a company that you like how often would you wear it and it comes out to about it comes out to you know half of them are saying yeah i'd keep it for more than three months reality is they're not going to throw it out they're not they're going people are going to keep it until it no longer benefits them until either they a don't need it or b it stops working and you know that often speaks to the quality of it. Obviously, there are single-use masks out there, and I mean, let's be clear: nobody really uses them as single-use masks. They keep using them until they're, they they get worn worn down, or they're um, dirty, or they break. So, I think that by giving away a good-quality mask—one that's attractive, one that has, um, you know, ha- has everything that people are looking for from a safety ratings—what you're going to find out is that people will keep them, and they're going to um, hold on to them until they no longer serve a purpose.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what people's limit is for the number of masks they have. Um, you know, it's going to be higher for some, it's going to be lower for others. But for, you know, we're just starting at, we're just starting out with this. So if you have a, you know, a few, a few masks, it seems like people are more likely to keep them. Like, what's what's going to be that that limit? It's sort of like to to me like tote bags. Like, you know, at at, at some point, you know, we've got like you know thirty forty branded tote tote bags, and it's like, oh, another tote bag. I don't, you know, I don't need one. Like, what? What's going to be that number? It's something we didn't ask, but like, what's it, what's something? What's going to be that number that people are going to say like, I don't need another another mask.
1: A number that's a lot greater than where it is right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like that's what it is. Right now, if you think I I have a branded mask one, right? And that I mean that doesn't include the one that my you know one of my friends made you know, at a New York Giants, uh, sure. <laughs> you know, that, that's not, that, that's, that's,
0: that's, that's should, that should cover your entire face. Cause you need to hide, hide your face as the Giants. fan. That's a, sep- that's a separate story.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Eagles fan. So, um, I, it, the, the point is that, you know, with it's the market is so far away from being saturated. I don't even think it matters right now. Like it's so people, people are going to need a lot more than people are going to go through a lot more than they currently have. Yeah. And, um, so the opportunity there for, again, offering these very timely items, um, which are still, let's be clear, trying to find them in any type of a fashion, you know, forward way is, it's not easy to do yet, unless you know somebody who makes them. Um, so, you know, I, the opportunity, I think, is very strongly there, and it's so far away from being saturated.
0: Yeah, so, in fact, so Danielle here posted that, you know, it's been a have been a fashion accessory in, in Hawaii from day one. So I think that's going to be, um, you know, I think that's going to be something interesting. Where again, like you, have, you have different masks for for different purposes. Are you are you wearing them? Are you wearing them in a you know? Are you wearing are you wearing them out? And you want to wear them as more of a, like a like again as a fashion accessory. So you're looking for look. You're looking for pattern. Are you just looking for for functionality? Like what what's your purpose in the in the mask and what are you looking to get from it? My my wife has bought a couple of masks from Vera Bradley Vera Bradley. There's an outlet in De- in Delaware. And mm-hmm. she's she really likes it. she stopped in, she bought, she bought them. she likes the pattern. you know that that's a that's a fashion choice. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if promo masks can bridge that gap be, be beyond sort of just being functional or being handy into to being an actual you know fashionable choice for people.
1: You know, I don't see any reason why they can. I mean it's happened that way, I think with a lot of other items, like a lot of other promo items, whether you're talking about like you know t-shirts, which are you know one of the most important things about how they look, right? um or you know drinkware like you know when you talk about the you know drinkware has undergone such a you know massive transformation over the last couple of years from being you know single wall you know aluminum aluminum bottles that freeze your hands when you touch them to what we have now like you you know when people look at them like all right that's pretty cool i like the way that looks so i think that the you know the market for the promotional has certainly sped up in that respect to it now being much more contemporary than it used to be so yeah i think it's i think it's Definitely possible to be there.
0: All right, Kyle, let's bring back up the, the slides here and we can go to our, to our next data point. So this says that 34% of consumers report they would wear use their logo mask on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Kyle, just go to the next one, the next slide, because I think we can look at these in, in tandem. So the percent of consumers who have a more favorable opinion of an advertiser who gave them a logo mask, and you can see yeah. the different different demographics here. 52% of millennials, 61% of Gen X, let's say, and 55. And sorry, and for the boomers, it's 42%. So, Nate, what what does what this? Uh, what what this, these data points suggest to you?
1: it says to me that Gen Xers are much more likely to wear masks than the other two groups.
0: Um, That's that's why I pay the big bucks for your, your, your top level insights.
1: Right. That's what it says (laughs) to me. Um, You know, it says to me that they're going to be used very often. um, And that as with all advertising and all promotional items, it's important to know who you're giving them to and who your audience is and, and to work with the clients to understand what they are. If you're, I mean, you know, depending on where you live, if your client is primarily targeting, you know, baby boomers, maybe a mask isn't the best item to give out, right? Even today, maybe it's not. They live in Florida; they don't want to wear it. Okay, it's not mandatory. But if you're targeting, you know, families, and you know, in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, and you're targeting, you know, parents. Well, yeah, then the masks are certainly something you should look to give out. So I think that's sort of the way to, to use the data, and that's the way to use the data throughout. It's not just you know, meant to be, okay, we're going to, every, everything's, everything's great for everybody. It depends on who exactly you're selling to and who your clients are. And that's why we have these, we've, we've created the graphics as sort of like standalone items. So that they can be easily inserted into presentations and easily, you know, put into and used in social media. That's, that's sort of the uh, genesis behind it.
0: So Kyle, to scroll down. We got one more ma- mask slide here to show. Uh, and so this, this is this is speak, again speaking to things we just discussed 57% mm-hmm. consumers would be more likely to do business with the advertiser who gave them a promo mask and then we don't have it here in this presentation but uh, in the full report he found that 61% of consumers report that they don't yet own a logo mask mm-hmm. so i i mean it's i think there's a there's a big gap here where like you said there's a lot of room and the market's not saturated yet for Companies and organizations to be giving them out because a lot of people don't still don't have a branded mask, um, and the payoffs seem seem pretty rich.
1: Oh my God, yeah, I, I think and I think most of the branded masks that people might own might actually be from their employers, right? Yeah, yep. I mean, you know, when we are, and because when you look at the overall market penetration of other promotional items, it's ninety percent. You know, ninety percent of people own t-shirts, ninety percent of people own you know branded drinkware. Um, and I, I'll be honest with you. I'm shocked that that's not even you near know, 100 of people actually, you know, did a little bit more uh, digging in their closets or drawers. So I, I, I think that you know, when you start looking at again the possible and the potential for um, giving up branded masks to customers and to prospects, it's huge. So um,
0: you know, for for our listeners, if you have a if there if there's a, a if you already have a branded mask, if there's one that's your favorite, feel free free to chime in. Um, you know we're we're happy to hear hear what people have and what they're wearing um, you know i would just add one more thing on the subject of masks it's interesting i remember as when this started out um, and and you first started to to see people wearing this mask in general not necessarily branded masks but just just masks in general whether it was you know the surgical ones or medical ones um there was a there was a a lively discussion in the industry about whether masks should be branded in the first place whether it was o- opportunism Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to see how quickly that that turned and how and how like and how now it's sort of just it's a common sort of you know tool uh, you know it's a common like weapon in the arsenal that promo distributors have that they can that they could be selling right now
1: yeah I mean early on there just wasn't time i mean yeah you know like everything else nobody knew exactly what to do nobody knew what was coming nobody knew what was next so basically when you had the opportunity to do something or to sell something or to help one of your clients out with something that you normally wouldn't that's what you did
0: yeah. So um, again, there's there's more data on mass. This is definitely the the most uh, interesting thing because it's just such a new category for us. And again, the full the full study that um, and Melissa posted it in our chat here, where you can download it, has more information on 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 mass if you're curious. And mm-hmm. um, the October issue of Advantages, um, our, our our senior uh, executive web editor Teresa Hegel did a a great article on mass and how promo companies. Have sort of upgraded and improved mass and and how they're how they're now decorating them and so it's a it's a it's a very interesting look and in how mass are being sort of tailored specifically for the promo industry. So again, mm-hmm. that'll be um, that'll be in the October issue of advantages and I think it's online right now as well. So I think that's 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 well worth reading for a distributor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to move on to other topics, and we we won't spend as much time on these as we did mass, but just some other interesting things. Kyle, if you could just bring up the presentation again. Uh, just want to talk about environmentally environmentally friendly products. Uh, this was this has been definitely a growing trend the past couple years in the industry, um, and this this was a very interesting finding to me about the percent of consumers who purchase more environmentally products in 2019. In 2018, mm-hmm. uh, you can see that you know boomers um, a greater percentage of them were purchasing more products than either Gen X or millennials. Which you know seems to be an inversion of what our perceptions are in terms of that uh, millennials, Gen Z, that um, they they are, they are you know they're they they're the ones who are thought to be the, the most environmentally friendly and thinking about sustainability and all and all those buzzwords. Uh, but it's interesting the reversal. Here, what, mm-hmm. what can you read into this,
1: Nate? Yeah, I was shocked. You, I mean, I checked the numbers on these so many times to make sure I didn't reverse the scales, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, so, you know, what I read into it is, is a couple of things. One is that very often environmentally friendly products are more expensive. Right. right. So it's the it's, you know, very often the older consumers that have uh, some more that have more money, but not, you know, the, not, the difference isn't quite, you know, it's not staggering, right? Between 27% for Gen X and 31% for boomers. But it's certainly a trend that you see. So I, I guess what I would say is that if your clients are concerned about, you know, whether or not the environmentally friendly products would be received well by a certain audience, yeah, they would be. They're going to be received well by all. And this doesn't necessarily speak to, this is kind of important, how clients feel about environmentally friendly products. They overall, the um, positive opinions about a product that they receive it, that, that they know is environmentally friendly is very positive across the board. Here we're talking about actual behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. So here they're actually purchasing them, but, you know, even moving beyond this, definitely don't be afraid if whomever you are to share um, ideas that to your clients about options for environmentally friendly products, because they're going to have a halo effect over that entire brand.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, one of the things that's been interesting is that during the pandemic this year when sales were dropping and budgets were pretty much frozen, is you know, how you know, how's that gonna affect the sustainability trend? Because it's 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 really been notable the past couple of years and there's been a lot of demand from consumers and even from companies now that they're that there's you know they have specific requirements that they're asking distributors um, to meet when they're sourcing products and when they're you know, providing services for for these companies. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, would would the pandemic and the recession impact that you know that that sustainability drive? My, you know, from what we've heard from at least from what, what me talking to distributors is that I mean, I think there has been, but not as much as you might expect. Like, it's I like I I think in the next year or two, the sustainability trend will will. Prove itself stronger than than the issues that are affecting the economy, and that it's not going away. Like, what do you think, Nate?
1: So everything goes in cycles, right? Um, going back to the beginning of this year and into last year, everything was focused on the like the single use bag bans. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's going to be that's going to be happening. And then tote bags come in, and then all of a sudden it was like, whoa, maybe that's not the way it's going to go. <laughs> um, I think what you're going to see is that over time sustainability is going to continue to grow there's going nothing ever moves in a straight line right it's always going to be you know setbacks there's going to be you know times in society when things become much more important then become less important but i think overall the trend in terms of like sustainable items and environmentally friendly items is going to be it's going to continue to move in a much more positive direction
0: yep i i agree so we're gonna to touch on some other things. Again, if you have questions for, for Nate about the study, about anything, feel free to post them in our chat here. We will get to them. So Kyle, can you bring up the next uh, slide in our thing? So here's about Nate, Nate in USA, which is um, you know it's, it definitely it's been spotlighted this year because one being a, an election year and, and obviously other concerns in terms of sourcing abroad, uh, lots of different things. So mm-hmm. this was interesting to me uh the percent of consumers who increased purchases of made in usa products in 2019 mm-hmm. so boomers 32 percent um gen x 24 percent, and then um gen z millennial 22 percent. That, that's pretty even considering considering i would say that that um you know made in usa especially sometimes the higher cost with made in usa mm-hmm. is typically i think viewed as sort of an older demo you know something that's more of a, a a need by the older demographic versus maybe a want by the younger demographic. And so mm-hmm. I'm curious about what, you, what, you, what you're seeing, Nate, is um, from the results of the survey this year and sort of the, the just being a, seeing all the sales data, do you see a change in how Made in USA is being viewed, whether because of the election or the pandemic or any other reasons?
1: Well, I think that, you know... Um if you were to think about it in terms of the where we are at right now, and you know, unfortunately, this is one of the questions that was fielded before the pandemic started. Sure. Um, but we're going to be looking at it again um, for next year when we do the study. I think there's certainly been a, there's going to be a movement, much more concerted movement towards made in the USA, especially as you know. I don't need to tell people in this industry that there's been supply chain disruptions in products coming from China. So, and that, and that that's really what we're talking about in the promotional products industry. Sure, there's other countries that supply promotional products, but it's China. Um, I think what you've seen, though, in with consumers, is that there has been a movement towards uh, desire um, to purchase more made in the USA products. The challenge, of course, though, is um, if they can find them at a somewhat price competitive point. People, are, people know that made in the USA tends to cost more—not always, but it tends to—and they're okay with that. They're okay with paying a premium for it, um, but again, it's it has to be a reasonable premium, and you know, sort of like running in concert with what we saw with the environmentally friendly products. Yeah, the older generation tends to be the ones who are more um, able and willing to do so. And that sort of holds true. But now, even like similar to what we see with this environmentally friendly, and we have the data on a state level basis, which is also available in the previous, the 2019 version of the ad impression study, um, or at least a regional state basis. And what we, we could see is, you know, what what depending on what area of the country you're in, you will have a more favorable opinion of an advertiser if they gave you a product that was made in the USA or a product that was environmentally friendly than in others so that's just another way to use the data where if you're dealing with a client in California versus a client in you know Texas or Kansas you tailor your your pro- your recommendations for what is most suited to those consumers and all of that data is also available on ASI Central
0: yeah and and this one interesting point is that this year there was, you know, a, a mad scramble for products and 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 a need for products quickly. Now, Not everything was available from from overseas in that short timeframe. Right. A lot of companies turned to domestic sources to find those products. I'm, I'm just, I, I just wonder if it's going to make a difference there. Where having had that experience, they they see some of the wisdom or the at least the 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 good things about about doing made in USA and local, or if it's just, that was just sort of, you know, a a uh, exception and they're going to go back to their old ways.
1: I think it can be both, right? I mean, sure it was the exception and any, you know, so it certainly helped out some domestic companies greatly incredibly um, in in Q2 and Q3 when everything else was, when other things were hurting. But I also think that based on, you know, it's what else are they getting? It's not only the fact that they could get the products, but how quickly could they get the products? With what level of effort could they get the products? And I think if all of those things continue to improve, and they, and the, the differences noted. You know, I, I think that there's certainly a, a space where they can capture additional market share that they might have had before.
0: All right, so let's move on to the, to the next part of our presentation, our slides. So in, the, in, my, in my line of questions here, I, I have my list of questions here. Mm-hmm. I wrote, USBs over power banks, WTF. And that, that's what my, my sentiment is, because again, so gave a choice, for consumers, fifty-six percent would choose a USB drive over a power bank, which just amazed me because the, the, the narrative in the industry in the past few years is that USBs are done, they're out, outdated, no one wants them, and power banks are the cool new thing. And this 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 particular data point uh, completely contradicts that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it kind of contradicts it. Right? I mean, <laughs> so what what do I what exactly do I make of this? Right, what I make of this is that there's an ebb and flow that takes up that takes place over time that people just don't always see and it's it's not saying that you know nobody wants a power bank they do but you know, power banks have had issues in the past um and in the recent past then you know if not power banks then there's concerns about um you know batteries and where they're coming from and product safety you know, you don't have that product. You don't have those product safety concerns with the USB drive. And another thing to recognize is that just because it's familiar to- familiar to us in the industry doesn't mean that everybody has them. And it also points out that they're still seen as a technology item. People love getting tech items, and you know, if your client is doing something with a, you know, with a university with a organization that has to distribute out marketing materials or brochures and such you can't really do that with a power bank but but you can automatically install those on a usb drive and people will hold on to them so you know don't just because we think something doesn't mean that everybody thinks and i think that's just the overall important lesson for you know across the study
0: Uh, danielle had a very good question did we do we separate the USB data by age group? And the and the answer is yes. So we don't have it up here, but I'll I'll tell you what what the break the breakdown is. So again, 18 to 34 year olds, um, 50% would choose would, would choose the USB drive over the power bank. 35 to 54 year olds, 55%. 55 and over, 61%. So yeah, I think there there is there is an age split and it's definitely skewing skewing older. Is that is that I mean, still that's still 50%, half. Of Gen Z mm-hmm. and millennials would 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 take the USB drive. So I think even though is a little older, to me, I mean that that's still pretty fa- fascinating. That you know, kids who don't even know what, what like a hard drive is, everything's stored in the cloud, uh, would, would, would choose
1: a USB drive. Sure, everything's stored in the cloud, but it doesn't mean it's not. You know, one one thing I've learned is things in the cloud aren't always accessible. I wish they were, right? But they're not. Um, and, you know, as I, I mentioned earlier, my, my my daughter's in college and, you know, yeah, they can email things to each other, but there's still times where you want to have a physical backup of it. And, you know, if you're working with things that are just on Chromebooks and everything's stored in the cloud and you need to access it, or I need to work it on a, my computer and I don't, and I'm not able to get on onto your network for whatever reason, because my son forgot his password. Um, there's, there's, there's a, there's a need for it. And there's. Every every 19, 20, 21 year old out there also has a power bank because they're on their phones fifteen hours a day they never shut them down
0: uh-huh. and
1: they're always out and about. They don't all have a USB drive, even though the you know perception is that they're everywhere. They're, they're not, and you know so there's still it's it's just because again it's because we think that they're you know ubiquitous and everyone nobody needs them anymore that doesn't mean it's actually true.
0: Yeah, and sometimes we're we're guilty of it as. Um Magazines and content providers, where it's always like, oh, what's what's cool and new, you know, because that that's what our readers want. They want they they turn to us to look for cool and new and new products. Mm-hmm. And but you know, there there are items that are that are continually bestsellers for a reason. And I think it's important as distributors in the industry to to not forget that fact.
1: Yeah, I mean, using the logic, everybody has fifty t-shirts. Doesn't mean if you get a t-shirt, you're not going to want another one.
0: Mm-hmm. So a couple more questions, Nate. Uh, one about uh, I don't have i don't have the stat up for this, but in terms of products being given out versus being sold, uh, that's something we measure in the study. do you Do you see any, that being affected at all by the the, the current economic conditions?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> to be blunt, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think everything is being affected by it, But you know yeah. until you have the return of large events, um, conferences, trade shows, concerts,. Um, any, you know, graduations, God, any, you just keep going down the list of all of the different things that are you're really not having anymore. It makes it more challenging to give out promo products and on a large scale, right? But one thing that we've seen over the years, and you know, this is we've we've seen this not only from consumers, but we've also asked distributors very bluntly about this, about whether or not the products that they were creating or selling to their clients were being given away or sold, right? Just straight up there's been a movement towards consumers more willing to pay for brands, for products that have the brands on them that they like. You know, so if I like Dogfish Head, which I do, right? If I go to the Dogfish Head Brewery in Milton, Delaware, probably walking out of there with some promo items that I'm paying a good amount of money for. And I'm going to wear them and they're getting free advertising from me, even though I already paid them for the item. So I think that there's certainly been a movement over over the years towards that and that's not abating right kids nowadays will wear their brands that they identify with adults wear brands that they identify with and now yeah if you give them away if i get one for free awesome if i don't get them for free i'm gonna buy them and that's that's been a movement that's been going on for years so i it's the, the way it's being impacted is just until things get back to normal it's a little bit more challenging to find products um, to find ways to give away products at a large scale. That's that's how it's That's how it's changing.
0: Okay. So um, all right. So Kyle, can you bring up the presentation again? Just one last slide in here. And just a reminder, if you've got any questions for Nate regarding the ad impression study or other other things uh, that we, we can measure for research for ASI, just you know feel free to type it into the chat box. Okay. So this is the this is the, the last data we're just, we're going to show here on the on, on our on our live live today uh you know this this just demonstrates the the effectiveness of promotional products which is something we always be mm-hmm. which is a, a main goal of the ad impression study so sure 85 percent of promo product recipients remember the advertiser worldwide and that and that's for and that's specifically for apparel items which have the which have the, the yep. highest recall i um, that's like i think that's a that's a great that's a great number and it 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 shows it shows, you know, why promo are so so effective as does all the other data points in the study. My mm-hmm. my question for you, Nate, is sort of in this in this industry's you know continual uh, push to be viewed as sort of a legitimate like you know marketing um, medium. You know where where do you think promo products stand th- this 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 year, um, and where and like and how do you th- how do you think they're, they're doing in that fight?
1: You mean versus other, you mean other, versus other types of media. Um, You know, I think it's, I don't need to tell anybody here that's a struggle versus what you run into in digital media, right, where everything's so metrics driven. However, I think in terms of other types of media, um, you know, if you're talking about print advertising or um, outdoor advertising or TV advertising, um, it, it certainly compares very, very favorably. And, you know, even thinking again about the digital advertising, everything's so metrics driven. Yeah, it's great. It's metric, driven but people don't like digital advertising, right? They don't They don't show off digital advertising if it looks good to their family. They don't show it off to their friends if they like it. And I think that's one of the things that, and, and it's so unique to our industry and so unique to our advertising medium that we can do that. If I get a promo product and I don't want it, or I have too many of them, I'm not throwing it away. I'm giving it to somebody. I'm giving it to a colleague. I'm giving it to a friend, a family member. So I think in terms of all, when you look at the, you know, advertising continuum, all the different choices people have. I think that's really what makes us unique. People remember the product because they see it over and over and over again. You know, when I need to remember a phone number or a credit card number, I'll put it on a post note on my computer screen and I'll look at it. Every time I sit down, I'll look at it. And then I'm eventually going to remember it. You know, if I have a mug that I use all the time and it has, a, it has a company on it, I'm going to use it all the time if it's a good quality. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to remember it. And that way, when I need a product that that company provides, I'm going to go to them because I don't have to, you know, reinvest my time and energy into thinking about it again. And that doesn't—that just doesn't happen with other forms of advertising. So I think that when you look at this 85% of recall for apparel items, it's high for all items that have a frequent usage. So you know, when people get a mask; they're going to know who gives it to them. When they get a pen, they're going to remember who gave it to them. And that's something that just doesn't happen with other forms of advertising.
0: So, Nate, just to to, to wrap up, um, you know, with with this study, um, you know, is there anything you want to add, and what and what do you want our our viewers and our listeners
1: to 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 take away from it? I, I want I want everybody to know that we we create this study. Um, you know, this this study is not sponsored, right? We don't we don't go out to our members and say, hey, you know, go to a, we we want you to sponsor this. Hey, we want you to you know pay for us to do this. We do this because for our membership, we, you know, my my job is always as as you know in research is to provide products, make sure that ASI provides products and services that meet our members' needs. And this is one of the the, the products that I think we provide that really meets our members' needs. And it gives them, you know, so use it. Use the use it with your clients. Use it in your social media feed. Um, you know use it on your presentations. People love data, and you know now you when you're speaking to them, you're not only speaking in the hypotheticals, you're also speaking with actual data behind them. And if they ask, let them know that we've interviewed well over, well over a quarter million people for this study over, over the last couple just several years. Um, and we interviewed we interviewed fifty to one hundred thousand people every year for this study. So we go out there and we really put a lot of time. Money and effort into the study, and it's purely so that people can use it.
0: Okay. Well, great. When, as a reminder, again, you can download the study, a full copy of it for free, on our website asicentral.com. It's also posted in the in the in the chat window here on our on our live stream. Uh, and and there's a lot more data than what we co- covered here. We you know, we just we're just barely just just, just skimming the surface. Um, there's and there's there's a lot to dig into. And like and like Nate said earlier um all these all these little data points they're all sort. they're all sort of you can be saved separately and then you can use them in your presentations or send them to clients by email it's all they can all, all be separated out and used as you as you see fit so there's a wealth of information to to choose from so nate thank you again for, for your time today
1: thanks TJ. all
0: right and thank you everybody for watching listening i hope you have a great day